Welcome back. I've noticed you never wear a shirt when we do this, probably because you come right from volleyball. And if I took my shirt off, we could just call it <laughs> topless science. <laughs> and we would get all kinds of like SEO juice that we don't deserve. Man, that is a great fucking idea. <laughs> Topless science. Sit with that for a minute. I'm going to fill up my water. <laughs> <laughs> I dig it. So how shit? Yeah. Oh, I can talk about new volleyballs I got though. Scope oh, yeah, I, I got that. my sick spray paint tag going on them. Oh yeah. Nice. Is that a thing that people do or just you? Uh I think I just do I just do this. But I'm I'm like I've got a brand around town. It's the TBJ brand. Yeah. I might actually turn it into a clothing line because it's really starting to take off. <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere I go, people are like TBJ, which is good. Hey. I'm, easy, I'm easy to spot. <laughs> Actually, I think they're, I think everyone else I play with is like 20 something. <laughs> I'm the old dude. Pardon me. Correction. So I was thinking we would start this thing with just, I don't know, I'm calling it the hit list because, you know, things should have names. Yeah. I guess. That's right. Great. That's like a marketing principle that exists. It's helpful. Makes it easier to communicate in fewer words. Either way, it's just going to be the front half of the podcast where I run through all the stupid things I thought of to talk about in the past week. Cool. Then we can get to your topic. Oh yeah, so so we're gonna explore the origin of matter, and what that's called is stellar nucleosynthesis. That's so much deeper than any of the shit on my list, but that's okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> what? <laughs> so I'm taking a night class during. I worked it out. It's cheaper for me to Uber down there, not pay for the parking permit and not have to deal with finding parking in my neighborhood That's at 9.30 totally at night. It's a better way to do it. So I've been trying to find everywhere that a service like that exists. Ooh, interesting. I have Instacart dropping off a bunch of ice so I can do a, <laughs> an ice bath. Nice. Um, and then some paper towels because we're running out. What was the and first one that's delivering ice? Is it an ice delivery service? No, it's there's a service called Instacart. Where like the people that sign up, uh -huh. um, like I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure how it works, but I think they just have an app that pings them and says, somebody put in an order. You can go, you can make a buck by going to pick it up at Ralph's. Weird. And I also ordered delivery frozen yogurt. There's uh, a frozen yogurt place here that delivers. Uh, that's awesome. For a year, I've been seeing it and going, that's ridiculous. I'm like, no, well, there's, it's still on there. So it must be a good enough idea that they've kept it up for a year. <laughs> I'm going to have to go get frozen yogurt later. That sucks. <laughs> You're going to be eating frozen yogurt while I'm in the car. But if you didn't have to drive your car, this is good. <laughs> I just came up with a segue. Um, <laughs> if you didn't have to drive your car, uh, then you could eat yogurt on the way. Uh, at home, at least. I guess you could do that in your car if you're driving anyway. Oh, I could take ice cream to the yogurt store and eat that on my way and then eat yogurt on the way back. Anyway, we just destroyed the segue. But the next thing on my list was self-driving cars and how, like, if you look at the number of people that are hurt in car accidents in any given year, once they have a competent driving car, they're eventually going to not let us drive anymore. Oh, for sure. It'll be horribly illegal. We're terrible and I'm drivers. Super okay with that. 
Yeah, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait to not have to drive. <laughs> I feel like I, but I don't know, because now I have this time in the Uber, right, where I'm, I have an extra like twenty minutes on this ride to school. I always end up talking to the driver instead of like doing the reading that I planned to do or something like that, because right. I, because I feel rude. I spent, I'm in law school. I spent a lot of time just reading like all every second, I would imagine. So I got to kind of like schedule it in. So there's times where it's like, Oh, I got a half hour there. I'll just, I'll just, you know, it's actually nice to have stuff to do when you know, you're going places where you have to wait. I also, but I did as part of this test, as it's continued, I've become curious. Uh, so I ordered that, this, this thing called automatic, which plugs into the service port for your computer, your car's computer. Oh yeah. Okay and just reports everything that that computer knows to an app. I mean, that makes so much sense. Yes, I was just curious to know that about my car. Like comparatively, what kind of, is it less burdensome for me to ride in this guy's Prius down to school versus driving my forerunner? Interesting. Probably smaller carbon impact. Did you see when the Teslas uh were first being reviewed or one of the new models was being reviewed uh there were there was a high profile like but a high profile journalist who was reviewing the car and he went on like a really long drive with it and he came back with all these statistics he's like oh it only it didn't hit the reported numbers like it doesn't get the mileage it claims it doesn't hit the speeds it claims and so he put he published all these numbers in the newspaper and then uh elon musk replied with a blog post where he said actually we downloaded all the stats from your car and reran them and you did all of your calculations wrong <laughs> all of the numbers <laughs> were wrong and it hit all the stats that we that we predict and then he published the graphs <laughs> uh that's kind of that's kind of creepy <laughs> but in that way that i don't care about yeah so i just i feel like i don't do anything remarkable enough in my car that it'll ever be i feel like anyone can do anything damaging to me with the info that they could ever collect from my car's computer until you uh rob a bank next week with me in presidential masks <laughs> and you have to escape from the scene of the crime. i am an fbi agent <laughs> um okay this we, is tangent i think i got another segue it's not it's, i just outed it so i ruined it but um <laughs> so the last thing on my list is just like a problem that i was trying to solve and so I came up with this clever solution and it has to do with data collection. Um, so I was trying to find out if I could find an app to let me monitor my webcam on like the bus level, like as close as I can get to the webcam technology. So I could ever tell if someone had access, I can really tell if it's on or not, but I guess I could just bypass that app. Right. So I couldn't find anything like that. I gave up on it. And so I was trying to find a solution that's more <laughs> elegant than a post-it note. Um, to go on the top. Of uh, so I cut like two thirds of the way into like a stress ball. Oh, okay. Nice. It's the perfect size to clamp on top of my monitor. And now oh, it just that looks at me all day. Oh, I need to get one of those for pal. Yeah. He's got a post on there all the time. And every time I sit at his computer, I laugh at him. And then I was like, well, this is the laptop. And that was, that one was awkward because the ball, like, to, cause the, uh, computer screen is, is thinner. So cutting just enough that it would still securely grab the monitor without sliding down onto the display was a problem. Oh, yeah. And then I remembered that one of the things that I've carried with me for the last five years as I've moved from place to place was a drawer full of Legos, really specifically <laughs> picked Legos that we got on a trip 
to where, wherever, oh, yeah. there's a, wherever there's a Lego store because we were going to build a Rube Goldberg machine. <laughs> that By the time we got home, we were too tired to build it. So hard to build a Rube Goldberg machines. We drove around LA for three hours <laughs> looking for marbles. Yeah, they that's right. Sell... That was our marble adventure. Yeah. You can't, marbles are a choking hazard, so you can't buy, go try to buy marbles. I, I told you I found marbles, this. didn't I? <laughs> they're, not, they're not available in stores because they're fucking antique toys. I found them at an antique shop in Ocean Beach, and they were like five bucks per marble. Five it's bucks. Like that scene in uh, uh, Back to the Future 2. <laughs> what? Oh, yeah. You got to use your hands? Use your hands? <laughs> Um, so what we were trying to do that day that was thwarted by the fact that we couldn't find a marble <laughs> in LA was to build an elaborate Rube Goldberg sort of setup using largely marbles and things we could get at the Lego store. I have like a hundred of these little ladder, like hinge things just long enough to be a perfect counterbalance if it runs down the back of the laptop. Oh, nice. That's kind of how my my camera works that I'm using right now. It just sits perfectly. Oh, totally blocked out. I can't see shit. You could still listen to me masturbate, though. <laughs> That's actually generally the one thing I'm doing. I don't use my eyes. <laughs> um, That's all I had that I thought of to talk about. <laughs> well, the one thing that I want to talk about is the fact that there is clearly a silly serial killer in the closet behind you waiting to pop out and get you behind me and i've been watching it very carefully the whole time we've been talking because <laughs> the door is just slightly ajar oh god closets are so much scarier than the outside of the house aren't they because if there's something in there it means it's been in there for a while <laughs> outside could just be something scary cruising by that's like been watching you and that's been watching you masturbate while i've been listening right there's either premeditation at that point like <laughs> like there, there's there's no there's no like sitcom version of how they got in there in the real world you know it's not like there was a thing and i came in to fix it and your landlord let me in and then she left and locked the door if there's someone in that closet that they're, they're that's they're not there for for good reason i mean i guess the closet repairman could have gotten wedged in there when the yoga ball like fell off its stand or something does kind of look like the door's wedged shut. But it, can you see the yoga ball? Surprised I spotted it. Well, you know that I have that shit in my office. I never use it. It's it's a constant annoyance. Do you ever try sitting on it at your desk? I do. Yeah, that's why it's here. Every once oh, okay. in a while, I sit on right. it. I've it's discovered that it takes a lot of willpower to sit on my yoga ball because I've had very little willpower the past couple of weeks and I've been sitting in a chair, which I haven't done in a long time. And sitting in a chair is absolutely horrible. I can't believe people sit in chairs all the time. I'm like, at the end of the day, I'm sweaty. The back of my legs feel like, like I'm like, there's no blood flow because they've been like cut off all day. It's, it's unreal. A chair is one of those things like a mattress where I, I justify spending more than seems reasonable. I have a $1,200 office chair Ooh. and it's outstanding, it's, but it's... I still feel all of those things at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah. The problem with sitting is just that you don't use your body. So it's just slumped. So unless you're consciously 
engaging your muscles and your core in your core you're just not you're just you might as well just be like fucking balled up on the floor all day at doing absolutely nothing it's just horrible on the on the yoga ball you like kind of have to hold something if you stopped doing something if you like if you didn't if you weren't supporting yourself with your legs you'd fall face forward onto your desk so that i've only had this chair for i don't know three weeks now and i went to buy it because my other chair was just honestly smelly i don't like leather because it's too sweaty yeah and so i i have these these fabrics that you eventually have to replace yeah those get nasty so it, but living in an apartment i don't have like the space like i can't have any overlap and so if that chair shows up i gotta take the other one to goodwill that day Ooh. or else there's just not room right so I was all like, wait, I'm going this place. There's a bill on the way. I'll drop off the chair. I'll go to the new place, get the new chair, come back. Bam. Bam. So I go to the place where they sell these chairs. And it turns out when you're paying this much for a chair, they don't <laughs> have that shit on site. <laughs> Son of a bitch. Even though the website says in stock and available, they mean like it's somewhere nearby in a warehouse and you could go buy it and they'll get it to you within like three days instead of <laughs> where did you masturbate that night <laughs> on my balance ball <laughs> that's the point of this and so i was forced to either sit on that thing or stand and stuff stopped hurting on me that had been hurting it took me a long time to transition to the yoga ball i had to sit i had to like swap it in and out with the chair periodically throughout the day for like six months before i could just sit on the yoga ball all the time so you had something what are we going to talk about uh my topic that i had prepared uh is the (laughs) it's a little it's a little dense probably but it was the origin of matter in the universe and the specific uh term is uh is a stellar nucleosynthesis stellar nucleosynthesis yeah is this do you want me to try to guess what it is that's a good game see if we can (laughs) if you can deduce what the topic is from the the name it's pretty it's pretty straightforward if you think through the uh say it again stellar nucleosynthesis i mean it sounds like um the origin of particles how far down does it go? That's my question. It's matter, the, uh, matter it's the, I suppose. It goes down to the uh, to the nucleus, essentially, which is what establishes atoms. So that's right. what the nucleosynthesis part is. It's where where did where did elements come from, basically? Where did all of the elements on the periodic table come from? Actually, but this is the, really cool, right? Because it's like there are some that are only here because of asteroids. There are whole asteroids made of those out there. Like like Google and Richard Branson and a bunch of other people back asteroid mining companies to go get more of this stuff because it's so scarce here. Right. Their most stuff in the universe is really scarce. You have rare earth elements. You hear about them all the time in electronics. There's probably a ton of stuff in our microphone in all electronics that is very rare materials in the universe. Um, not just rare magnetic or uh pretty pretty much everything really when you start to look at the uh the occurrence of different elements in in the universe it's a it's an interesting story where it all came from i was just reading about a moon the other day that where it rains diamonds 
<laughs> you know what I'm talking about? It's some moon of Jupiter. And it's just, it just, it's not impressive in that atmospheric. Just we hear it and we're like, no way. Like, well, I mean, it's Big just crystal carbon and pressure and time, you know, coming down from the sky. <laughs> it's like if you if you had the right conditions, it's for sure not whatever we're both picturing, <laughs> right? Exactly. It's for sure not whatever that article was talking about. Isn't there another one one with an absurd amount of mercury and it's like oceans of mercury or something? Oh, there certainly could be. They're definitely oceans of uh they're like oceans of heavier materials, oceans of like hydrogen and stuff on on foreign planets. That's what the gas giants gas giants have like liquid they're made up of uh they're not just gas. There's they're the lot they're made up of all these weird materials, like weird states. So like instead of just it's not just gas as you fly into it. Um well, we also don't really know what it's made of, but from what I've read about Can't gas fly, giants, but, but I mean, right. there you get all the there. Jupiter is known as a failed star because it basically was gathering. It, it has all the composition of becoming a star. It just didn't gather enough material to become one. It ran that we ran out of material for it in our, our solar system. So it's kind of like a, a baby star that never got to grow up and ignite. I mean, that's just that's all planets are right is just places where the gravity was enough to suck in something else but then it stalled at some point oh well that's that's great you just got to that was a great segue into stellar nuclear synthesis and and what's actually happening where these things come from so what's happening <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're killing it with our segues here Stop so, teasing me. <laughs> so uh stars generate energy uh, with nuclear fusion. So if you're familiar with nuclear power plants on Earth, they generate electricity. Well, they generate heat with a nuclear action. And so they and generate that's why heat. splitting an atom though, right? Yeah. So you put in these really big, heavy elements like uranium and plutonium, and they're really unstable because they're huge. They have huge, huge nucleuses with like hundreds of protons and then hundreds of neutrons. And so in our universe, given the laws of physics in our universe, uh, elements way up there on the periodic table are inherently uh, unstable. And so when you put a lot of them together in close proximity, uh, they, there's radioactive decay and particles cause them to break apart. And so in that process, uh, breaking apart those types of elements, those really heavy elements, releases a bunch of energy in the, in the nuclear reaction that's happening, that atomic the atoms splitting apart uh, releases energy. So you get a bunch of heat, you heat up water, generate steam, you spin a turbine, you generate electricity. That's how all electricity is generated, by the way. It's just steam, steam. spinning a turbine. So <laughs> nuclear nuclear energy is really just a nuclear heater. Coal, coal is just a uh, coal heater. The only one I can think of that isn't a matter, I mean, solar, I guess. It's oh, not yeah. a matter of a turbine being driven, right? Totally, great point. Or is it? I don't know. Well, some solar, some solar energy does that. It's just heating stuff up. Actual photovoltaic cells, like solar panels, like the kind of right. like thing that you, the little black thing with lines through it that you picture on like satellites or on like a rechargeable keyboard or like a solar powered watch. Those are actually generating electricity in a different way than spinning. They're actually 
photons hit that those electrical elements that we've created and it generates like it turns into an electric current which is cool because it's a really good point that you made that is that's totally different than every other way we generate electricity but here's the crazy thing so you're talking about fusion reactions right so so everything nuclear that we do is splitting atoms yeah a star is smashing them together totally and it's yeah. such a better way to produce heat that for us it's still like the best possible way that we could generate power is just to suck some off of that reaction that's <laughs> happening up there <laughs> like because there's so much of it <laughs> that's a great point right so we were talking about nuclear <laughs> nuclear physics <laughs> stellar nucleosynthesis it took me a while to, to memorize that term stellar nucleosynthesis <laughs> Yeah, the origin of matter. So, so that term breaks down to what it's what it's saying is, uh, it's how atomic nuclei are created inside of stars, which which is the answer to where does matter come from in the universe? It all comes from stars, all of it, everything that you interact with, uh, in the sense of like something that you can pick up and touch came from inside a star every single thing it's because like they eventually burn out and then you just have what was at the core of so it so the nuclear fusion reaction creates new elements when you're fusing two atoms together oh a new okay. element is created and so at the very basic level stars start with hydrogen which is the simplest element in the universe it's a single proton um and a single neutron maybe sometimes um and so our star our sun is like a really common regular it's like the most common star type in the universe it's mostly hydrogen so it's just this big ball of gas that came together and gravity because gravity is so strong when that big ball of gas comes together gravity pulls all that the mass of the gas together and temperatures and pressures in the center of the star the hydrogen starts fusing together so you get nuclear fusion and the hydrogen fuses together and all of a sudden you have a helium atom that pops out and so the star is literally creating it literally like walks up the periodic table as it has these progressively larger fusion reactions and it creates elements on the table and so you create I don't know enough to mention all of the ones that get created, but the low level ones all the way up to iron, our star creates most of the elements, if not all of them, all the way up to iron. So like the first 16 elements on the periodic table will be created inside of our star during its lifetime. And that's the only place in the universe that they come from. If the stars weren't making them, nothing would exist. So they're the birthplace of matter in the universe. And what type of reaction is, you can tell what its stage of composition based on its the behavior of the reaction, right? Totally. Like the radiation yep. it gives off, which is light. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, there's the, there's the period in our star's life where I think a lot of people have heard this, that it will grow and become like a red supergiant. And it'll expand, it'll get really big, and it'll consume the inner planets. It might even consume the Earth. Um, that is actually a phase where it has finished consuming all of one of those materials and it 
changes to mostly consuming and creating a new material. So I don't know what step that is, but it's really late in its lifespan where it's like done processing hydrogen into helium. And maybe it's when it's turning oxygen into iron. Um, and so the reaction is producing so much more energy that, that the star actually grows in size. So a star is basically a good way to think about it is it's a big, it's a huge explosion of energy that's only held together by gravity. And so gravity and the explosion of these reactions are just constantly fighting each other. It's really exciting and it's cool. And it explains why they're like rare elements and why they're special and why they're useful for all the stuff that we use them for. So in a, in a star like ours, it produces real basic elements like helium, oxygen, carbon, iron. So stuff that you hear about, we have tons of it. It's all over the place. You look around your room, oxygen, there's tons of oxygen in the air. There's tons of, uh, <clears throat> your body's made of carbon. These are like common elements. And so up to a point, our star in that form of uh, energy production, it can make elements. It can make things all the way up to iron. And then all of a sudden, for a reason that I uh, failed to research properly, I could not find the information, combining two iron atoms or anything with, with iron takes energy. And so you no longer produce energy doing it. And so all of a sudden, when our star is done converting all of the matter into from hydrogen to helium to carbon to oxygen, whatever that step up, it will eventually, it's so our star right now has a core that's iron. It has this huge core of iron at the middle. Like right now, it's falling into the middle of the, the star as it's built. And when it, once it's iron in the core, there's no fusion reaction anymore. So you just have this big, dense, hot ball of iron that's not producing an explosion. And so all of a sudden, one day, our star is going to hit a point where it's consumed enough matter that there's not enough explosive force for the star to maintain its shape anymore. And at that point, all of a sudden gravity wins and gravity says, I'm pulling all the rest of the shit that's outside the star in, and I'm pulling it in really fast. It's going to fall at the speed of, it's going to fall at the speed of gravity pulling right. everything. And so you get the time. Collapse. Time does not matter to this. There are no measurements for how fast this happens. Oh, it happens incredibly fast. Like we, so, if you're on a planet and this happens, you just blink out of existence. Yeah. Yeah, the whole, so the star collapses at this tremendous pace. And that's when you get uh, supernovas. That's when you get these explosions of stars. That's literally the star has run out of fuel. The explosion can't happen anymore. And gravity pulls everything in so fast that you get these massive explosions that light up the night sky. I mean, when supernovas happen, they've happened in like the last couple thousand years. We've had three or four that have happened close enough that they literally, they, they're huge. They consume the sky. You get this big dot that is like as bright as the moon and it will last for years in the sky because these explosions, these explosions, they're so bright, they're brighter than the galaxies that they're in for the period of time that they're happening because there's so much energy released. And so in that last explosive instant, there's so much force and pressure and temperature and so much energy that all of the other elements are created. So all of the fancy elements above iron, all of these complex, big elements, all of the fancy metals that we use in electronics, all of the radioactive elements that we use in nuclear fission, they're all created in like that instant. And so in that explosion, the star is obliterated and all of this material that's been getting created for, for 10 billion years while the star has been alive is now exploded and spread out around the galaxy. 
And so at that point, we all of a sudden have matter. And so before there were stars, the Big Bang happened. Hydrogen kind of formed. I think a little bit of helium formed too in the Big Bang. And this is all like kind of, as far as I'm concerned, theoretical nonsense. But uh, you get it. You get a couple little elements to start with. And then stars have literally given birth to everything that we interact with. And so if we could figure out gravity, then... Yeah, if you could create gravity. We don't know. We don't know how to create gravity. We don't even really know. We don't know what any of this shit is, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, we have... It's, a, it's I've, I've really enjoyed the last like couple years of my life becoming more interested in uh, like yoga, meditation, spirituality, Eastern thought and combining it, layering it on top of a back, like a very scientific background um, that also came from a religious background with my upbringing in Catholicism, because there's this incredible crossover between science and philosophy that like meets right at this spiritual point. And if we could spread the good word, uh, I think a lot of people would really find it exciting how science is like proving that we need philosophy to explain things. There just aren't answers. The but problem it seems to me to be more that they're figuring out that it's about interconnected energy forces. It totally, it's, it's all, it's, it's all, it all aligns perfectly with like Eastern philosophical thought. It is all these weird energy forces and everything in the universe is interacting with everything else at all times over all distances forever and ever. It literally, <laughs> there is just universal life energy that interacts with every single piece of matter and energy in the universe at all times. Well, and this is the crazy thing. If you think about what technology is, right? Like we're just closing energy or what communication is, right? Like whether it's me making a sound that turns into sound waves, I'm creating waves in the gas, they're getting to your ear, they're generating electrical impulses that your brain is reading. I, it's, it's energy yeah. passed from one place to another. So we close the gap, wires, and it's like, when you, when you look at a graphical representation of the organization of the internet, it looks an awful lot like a neuron. It sure does. An awful lot like a picture of a cluster of galaxies. Yeah, it all looks the same. Right. <laughs> They're just complicated drawings of a lot of interconnected things. <laughs> they look cool, especially when you color them with a lot of pretty colors and like uh, fancy glowing lines. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so I feel like that's as good a place as any to end our to end a podcast. <laughs> We, is there any more about stellar nucleosynthesis that we're that we're missing? Oh my God, we're missing so much. <laughs> okay, never mind. That I, was the wrong I question. I think we barely um, know anything about it at all. We're gonna try to keep doing this. Um, however, you found us, use that way to talk to us. And if you have any questions, uh, if anybody has any fascinating questions, we'll we'll do up a, an episode on it if we can. Have a good week. Peace and love, my friends. <laughs> I love it. My yogurt has still not showed up. Uh, I've lost all audio from you. Can you hear me? Give me a thumbs up. No. <laughs> Neither of us can hear each other, huh? 
Son of a bitch.